No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we will see where Moses instructs the children of Israel in providing three cities of refuge in the Promised Land and reviews various judicial laws before they cross the Jordan River. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 19 on Simply the Bible. If you've ever seen a picture of Lady Justice, then you probably have noticed that she's holding scales in her hand. The idea is that of equality. Likewise, God is merciful, and He is also just. His mercy and justice must remain balanced. When He grants mercy, then justice must also be served so that the scale remains even. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, we see how God's mercy and justice remain balanced. When the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of your land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, to inherit, that any manslayer may flee there. There were to be a total of six cities of refuge, three on each side of the Jordan River. Since they had already conquered the land on the east side of the Jordan, Moses was concerned with the three remaining cities that would be established on the west side in the land of Canaan. This would be a place to which the person who had unintentionally killed someone could flee. These cities were to be equally spaced throughout Israel so that no matter where you lived, you would not have to travel very far to get to a city of refuge. God wanted to give them every opportunity to arrive there safely. Now we see in this that God delights in mercy. In fact, That's exactly what the prophet Micah tells us in Micah 7.18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. And Jesus quoted the prophet Hosea when he said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Verse 4. And this is the case of the manslayer who flees there, that he may live. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in time past, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber, and his hand swings a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies. He shall flee to one of these cities and live lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and kill him. Though he was not deserving of death, since he had not hated his victim in time past. Therefore I command you, saying you shall separate three cities for yourself. God made provision for unintentional manslaughter 
which tells us that he looks at the motive of the heart and not merely the action. The city of refuge would protect the manslayer from the avenger of blood. Now, the avenger of blood was the nearest male relative who was the family protector. It was his duty to bring retribution to those who harmed the family. Although God established judges and priests to try cases and to mete out the judgments, since there were no police, the avenger of blood was responsible to some degree for bringing the criminal to the judges and then to execute the sentence. However, in his hot anger, it was possible that the avenger would kill the manslayer before the matter was brought to the judges. Yet, in this case, such action would be wrong, for the manslayer was innocent. Therefore, God established the cities of refuge close enough to anyone that he could flee there before the avenger of blood could catch him. I love the concept of a city of refuge. One of the reasons I relate so well to David's Psalms is because his city of refuge was in the Lord himself. He is an example to us today. We don't have a physical city of refuge to which we can run when we are guilty or afraid, but we can take refuge in our God. Psalm 27.4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Have you found your place of refuge in the Lord alone? Verse 8. Now, if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your fathers and gives you the land which he promised to give to your fathers, and if you keep all these commandments and do them which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to walk always in his ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourself besides these three, lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and thus guilt of bloodshed be upon you. God promised a great territory to the descendants of Abraham. At their zenith, under the reign of King Solomon, they only possessed about 10% of it. Moses foresaw the time in the future when they would expand their initial possession. How would this happen? It would only be by them loving the Lord and keeping his commandments that they would be able to enlarge their territory. It is the same for us. It is only as we love the Lord and keep His commandments that we can grow in our spiritual life and subdue greater areas of our flesh. This is how we expand the kingdom of God, first in our own hearts and then in the lives of others. Now, if they expanded their territory, then they would need an additional three cities of refuge, placing the total number at nine. Without these additional cities, there was a greater threat of God's judgment against the nation because the avenger of blood would kill the manslayer before he had a chance to get to the city of refuge, thus shedding innocent blood. Verse 11, But if anyone hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises against him and strikes him mortally so that he dies, 
and he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood, that he may die. Your eye shall not pity him, but you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with you. A city of refuge was never to be a sanctuary for an intentional murderer. If the person was suspected of being a murderer, then the elders of his city would send for him, bring him out of the city of refuge to stand trial in his hometown. And if he was found guilty, then he was delivered to the avenger of blood who would then execute him. While God delights in mercy, he never, ever sets aside justice. He is merciful, but he is also just. Where God does grant a pardon, someone must pay the debt. Moses told them that their eye should not pity the murderer. If they did, then the guilt for shedding innocent blood would be upon their own heads. How far we have moved away from this principle in our culture. We have people who demonstrate and make countless appeals when a person on death row is headed for execution. They pity the murderer. But what about the victim? And who takes responsibility for the blood guilt? This goes back to the covenant that God made with all creation after the flood. Genesis 9.6 says, Whoever sheds man's blood... By man, his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. When society fails to execute justice, then wickedness increases, calling for God's judgment. Verse 14, You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. God cared about personal property rights. And if somebody moved the landmark, the boundary, then they were actually stealing. God would not tolerate that. Now, this is speaking of real estate for sure, but I believe the principle also applies to boundaries that we set personally in relationships. Sometimes we have to establish boundaries because people seem to have no respect for the rights of others. I believe there is wisdom in this. Verse 15. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits by the mouth of two or three witnesses. The matter shall be established. If a false witness rises against any man to testify against him of wrongdoing, then both men in the controversy shall stand before the Lord, before the priests, and the judges who serve in those days. And the judges shall make careful inquiry. And indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So you shall put away the evil from among you. And those who remain shall hear and fear, and hereafter they shall not again commit such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity, life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So God was very clear that there should be not just a single witness in a severe case, 
but there should be two or three witnesses before somebody could be put to death. And so the witnesses would appear before the priests and judges along with the accused, and they would look into the matter. And if they believed that the accused was guilty, then the sentence would be given. However, if it turned out that the witnesses were falsely accusing the victim, then whatever punishment they wanted to bring upon the accused, they would get. So if the person was being falsely accused of murder, then they would be put to death. This would have a tendency of reducing the amount of perjury in court, for sure. God was serious about the commandment not to falsely accuse. Undoubtedly, the law is severe. And that is why no one will ever be justified by the law, because we are all lawbreakers. In fact, the law is so severe that to protect us from its punishment and show us mercy, God had to send His only Son to the cross to satisfy the just requirements of the law. Now God is dealing with us, not on the basis of law, but on grace. He sits on a throne of grace and a seat of mercy. But the only reason he can do that is because Christ paid our debt in full. Jesus Christ balances the mercy and justice scale. That is why there is no other way for us to be pardoned from our sins, but through faith in him. Are you trusting in Jesus for your salvation? You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we will see where Moses gives the children of Israel the rules of engagement when they make war against the inhabitants of the promised land. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible.